We would like to welcome you to the post-Christmas edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. And I hope that everyone had a a joyous Christmas and had a lot of fun. And I hope that Santa Claus was good to uh, everyone out there. So, we are going to do our jazz feature, of course, right off the top. We have lots to do on the show this evening. We're going to be playing some uh, very interesting, after the jazz feature, some very interesting early John Coltrane with Dizzy Gillespie. It goes way back to 1951, and uh, three selections from a broadcast recording that has Dizzy and Milt Jackson and, and Coltrane, a young Coltrane, sounding very much like Dexter Gordon, and uh, various other people. And we're going to be doing that after the jazz feature, but we've got lots of stuff to do this evening, so we're going to start with our jazz feature. And it's an important one because all of these gentlemen, they were here so frequently that they were almost uh, like resident musicians, although they're all New York-based musicians. And they came and they played at Corey Weed's cellar when the cellar was out on West Broadway. And, of course, in the 13-plus years that uh, Corey had the cellar, he certainly brought in his heroes, his friends, and and his idols. And uh, all of these guys, I think, count as, uh, as people that uh, um, Corey uh, loved musically and... Uh, and so do I. And uh, we all got to see them quite frequently and uh, developed friendships and renewed old friendships and all that kind of stuff with these musicians. The leader of this very fine album called Jim's Bop is Jim Rotondi. Uh, he was born in the Midwest but went to uh, New York as a young man, well-trained trumpeter, and uh, a lovely person as well. Uh, Jim Rotundi is, is um, a class act, as are all of these gentlemen. And uh, Rotundi, of course, reflects his influences, Lee Morgan, Freddie Hubbard, and a touch of Miles Davis in his uh, trumpet and flugelhorn uh, stylings. But Jim sounds like Jim Rotundi. And uh, he is an incredible trumpet player. And it's really hard because he, he is a, he's a small man. He doesn't really strike you as being um, such an authoritative player until you watch him on the bandstand and realize <laughs> that he's a boss. And uh, what a great player. Dynamic and uh, fun to listen to and always, um, always creative. On this album with Jim is the great Eric Alexander. Of course, in, he's in his mid-40s now. Eric Alexander is one of the most authoritative voices of the tenor saxophone. 
uh, an unbelievably um, accomplished player and uh, a true, as are all of these gentlemen on this album, a, a true keeper of the jazz flame. The interesting thing about this album is that all these uh, men on this album, and I haven't mentioned all of them yet, but they do reflect the great jazz tradition, and yet they don't sound like they're trying to do this. They have their own unique energy and their own uh, uh, creative abilities. They're not trying to be hip retro guys um, and, and create an era which is no longer here. They are very contemporary. They're advancing the jazz tradition, but they're not forgetting it. And that's what I respect about all of these gentlemen. Uh, so we spoke about Eric Alexander, and of course he, he reflects his influence as the uh, John Coltrane from his um, late 50s period, his Blue Train period, uh, Sonny Rollins, and especially his mentor, George Coleman. And um, Eric, again, sounds only like Eric Alexander. And uh, he's absorbed these influences. On bass is the wonderful John Weber, who also is an accomplished guitarist. And uh, he's actually put an album out playing guitar. But as a bass player, he is second to none. And he really reflects the, the true um, nature of the bass uh, in a jazz group. Uh, he keeps time. He provides the harmonic uh, bottom for uh, this music and uh, is really in the tradition of Paul Chambers, Ray Brown, and Sam Jones, and yet sounds very much like John Weber. And one of my favorite dudes in the band is drummer Joe Farnsworth. He is uh, funny, he's hilarious, and um, got the most wry sense of humor and also is one of the most wonderful drummers. He, he is sensitive, um, he can push, he can drive, and yet he is incredibly tasteful. And he reflects his mentor, who was the late, great Arthur Taylor. And um, uh, Joe studied with uh, Arthur Taylor and, uh, of course, reflects not only Arthur's uh, authority and drive, but also the taste of Billy Higgins as well. Farnsworth has absorbed all of these into his own sound, and uh, really he's one of the first call jazz drummers uh, in New York City. The glue that's holding all this, all these guys together, and there's a whole group of uh, uh, young men um, that are not on this album that, uh, of course, um, are what I call uh, modern traditionalists, people like Peter Bernstein, uh, guitarist, uh, Dave Stryker, um, all, all kinds of people. But we're concerned here with the, with the uh, people that are involved in this particular record. And Harold Mayburn is the veteran. Harold has played with literally everybody. And he's been made so many recordings the interesting thing about Harold is that he has kept his uh, youthful energy, his creativity, and by associating with these younger men, he's been able to give to them um, wisdom from the jazz past. And of course, he has revitalized his own career as well, because so many of his contemporaries are no longer with us. Harold has 
um, really been able to keep his own freshness and uh, creativity alive by associating with these younger men. And his presence is not lost on them either, believe me. And uh, so Harold Mayburn is the pianist on this date. This is a very fine recording. It was done for Crisscross Records, very well produced and very well recorded. And we're going to hear a selection of tunes. As a matter of fact, we're going to hear six tunes from this wonderful album. And it came out on, as I said, it came out on the Crisscross label called Jim's Bop, the Jim Rotundi Quintet. We open with a Jim Rotundi, Eric Alexander uh, composition called King of the Hill. And the reason it was called that, it's dedicated to one of Jim's idols, trumpeter Freddie Hubbard, who Jim calls King of the Hill, because Freddie Hubbard, nobody could play like Freddie Hubbard. And so this is in honor of the late, great Freddie Hubbard. The next tune that we're going to hear is uh, a tune written by Eric Alexander, and it's called El Petito. Then we're going to hear a ballad, is tune number three. And it's a very beautiful tune. I've always liked this tune, written by Frankie Lane. And it's called We'll Be Together Again. Then we go to a Horace Silver composition, which is not one of his common tunes. This is a tune from an album called Further Explorations. It's one of the lesser-known Horace Silver albums. And this is such a great tune. And uh, there's not too many bands that play this because it's a, a complicated kind of a tune. But it's very beautiful, too, and it's called Moon Rays. So that's uh, tune number five. Tune number six is a tune I think that everybody knows. It was one of the huge hits of uh, the late 70s and one of the huge hits by Stevie Wonder. And, of course, the tune is the band's arrangement of You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Great tune and very jazz-worthy tune as well. It's fun to play and fun to play on. The final tune is written by drummer Joe Farnsworth, and it's dedicated not only to his late brother, who was a wonderful baritone saxophonist, but dedicated to the leader of the band, Jim Rotundi. And it's the title track of the album, and it's called Jim's Bop, and that concludes the set. So, without further ado, we hear some great players and some great energy from this album. Once again, the leader, Jim Rotondi on trumpet and flugelhorn, Eric Alexander on tenor saxophone, Harold Mayburn on piano, John Weber on bass, and Joe Farnsworth on drums. And we kick things off with King of the Hill, our jazz feature tonight.
And that's our jazz feature this evening. Wonderful album by some relatively young men who have uh, appeared in Vancouver many, many times over the years, especially at uh, the late lamented Corey Weed's Jazz Club, which was, of course, located out on West Broadway. And uh, these gentlemen came to Vancouver so often they were almost um, like resident musicians. Everyone got to know them and got to uh, hang out with them and get to know them personally and, and, of course, hear their wonderful music. And, of course, they're all New York-based musicians. And the leader was is the trumpeter and flugelhornist Jim Rotondi. Now, Jim doesn't live in New York anymore. He's been teaching for a couple of years over in Austria, and um, he lives in Graz. But he uh, frequently flies into New York to do gigs with um, these gentlemen, and especially his partner, uh, which you heard here on tenor saxophone. They blend beautifully, Eric Alexander. And, of course, he's one of the leading voices today on that instrument. So Jim Rotundi on trumpet and flugelhorn, Eric Alexander on tenor saxophone, John Weber on bass, um, who is a wonderful bass player and really knows how to just keep that bottom happening, and, and uh, that's what makes this music uh, pop. And, of course, um, on drums, the very dynamic and wonderful and tasteful Joe Farnsworth on drums, who can literally uh, drive and play and also play with a, a, a real... Um, tasteful feel. And as I mentioned before, the glue that holds this whole band together is pianist Harold Mayburn. And of course, he brings age, experience, and of course, an incredible history in the music. Harold Mayburn has played with literally everyone. And of course, um, he has retained his youthful energy and his creativity He's actually one of the seven wonders of the world, really, because he's, uh, he's approaching 80 years old, and he still has this incredible enthusiasm for the music. And, of course, his career in the latter years, because so many of his peers have, um, have passed on, Harold Mayburn, of course, is associated with these young musicians, and it really has revitalized his career in music as well. And, of course, um, he brings to them his uh, great experience and um, all the things that he discovered in music. And, of course, uh, Jim, Eric, John, and Joe are very aware of this and very respectful of Harold Mayburn and very happy to have him on board with uh, their recording projects. This is a wonderful album that came out on Crisscross Records. And it's led, as I said before, by Jim Rotundi, the trumpeter. It's called Jim's Bop. And we heard six tunes from this album, beginning with a Jim Rotundi, Eric Alexander composition called King of the Hill. Then we moved to a, a, a neat kind of a waltz, sprung waltz tune by Eric Alexander called El Patito. Then the ballad of the set is the beautiful uh, Frankie Lane ballad, We'll Be Together Again. And then a wonderful version of Horace Silver's rarely played composition called Moon Rays. And then, of course, we heard a, a nice uh, arrangement of the Stevie Wonder classic, You Are the Sunshine of My Life. And the final tune is an up-tempo blues 
that was written by drummer Joe Farnsworth, dedicated to his late brother, James Farm Farnsworth, who was a baritone saxophonist, passed away a few years ago, and dedicated, of course, to the leader of the band, Jim Rotondi. And it's called Jim's Bop, and it made the title track. So I hope you enjoyed this album, a little foray into musicians that I often get teased about playing jazz musicians that have passed away and so on. <laughs> I get razzed about it every once in a while, but hey, um, we have the recordings, so they're really... Their music, which is their most important contribution, is still alive. So we can really um, thank the stars above that we have um, recording devices that uh, preserved this great music and that I, I can, someone like me can present it to you uh, over the radio. And speaking of the radio, you are listening to CITR FM and... Well, FM 101.9, and of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. This is The Jazz Show, the post-Christmas edition. Actually, our last show for the year, because, uh, well, you won't hear from me until next year. So, there you go. So, this is really our final show for the year. My name's Gavin Walker, and uh, after a couple of messages, we're going to take you back to Birdland, a live recording, 1951, January 13th, 1951, by an incredible sextet led by one of the great masters of modern trumpet, if not maybe the great master of the modern trumpet, Dizzy Gillespie, and a hand-picked band. And we'll tell you more about that right after a couple of messages, and we shall return with that music. For over 30 years, there has been one voice in the local Vancouver art scene that has stood above the rest, and that's Discorder, that conspiracy, punk rock, foxcore, sassy, still-publishing magazine from CITR. We're one of the established and trusted voices of Vancouver's music and arts culture in the Lower Mainland, with 8,000 copies distributed monthly to over 135 distribution locations, from the Lido to Zulu Records. Discorder is one of a few magazines published by a community radio station, and we only serve up the freshest local and Canadian goods. We have interviews with artists, album reviews, live show reviews, and articles about everything important to our crazy, unique, varied, and amazing culture in Vancouver and across the country. Pick up your free copy of Discorder today, or sign up to have it delivered to your door wherever you are. Check out our website for distribution locations and all the information about advertising and getting involved. Do you like friends? Well, we like you, so become a member and get a Friends of CITR card. Not only does it make you special, but it gives you all kinds of deals with our friends on Main Street, including 10% off at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Red Cat Records, Woo Vintage Clothing, and more. Visit CITR.ca for more, or come check us out in the nest. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. Mm-hmm. Dizzy Gillespie. 
Dizzy Gillespie, John Burks Gillespie, an incredible musician and an incredible leader, and of course one of the pioneers of modern jazz, along with Charlie Parker and Bud Powell, Thelonious Monk, all those people. Dizzy's band, he had a big band in the 1940s, and it was tough. It was tough. It was the end of the big band era. But Dizzy Gillespie's band was, the big band, was one of the most adventurous big bands. And, um, however, um, because of the change of scene and so on, Dizzy had to disband, um, much to his disappointment. But he, of course, continued um, and he formed this sextet um, that worked. They did record for a small label. However, it was only um, Dizzy Gillespie that soloed on, on these uh, studio recordings. And the tenor saxophonist in the band was a young man who was really just starting his career by the name of John Coltrane. You know that name, don't you? All right. <laughs> but these studio records, there were no solos by John Coltrane. And, of course, it frustrated a lot of people later on because they wanted to hear early early Coltrane, and they would go back to these studio recordings that were done for a label called DG Records and eventually issued on Savoy Records. They'd go back to these tracks, but there were no solos by Coltrane. Um, he was only in the, in the section. However... We have these three tracks, and they're from a broadcast recording. The sound quality is pretty good, um, with uh, one exception. It doesn't really favor the vibes on here, and the vibes are played by none other than Milt Jackson, but if you really use your ears, you'll be able to hear them. And um, unfortunately, they're, they're, they were hard to pick up with a single microphone. But John Coltrane comes through loud and clear, with this early style, and um, of course, uh, a lot of people don't realize that John Coltrane in his early days was heavily influenced by Dexter Gordon, who of course was one of the leading saxophonists. And uh, I've mentioned this to some young guys uh, who, who have studied a lot of John Coltrane's uh, later records, and I say, you know, Dex was, was really his idol. And they kind of look at me and say, Dexter Gordon? I mean, he's great, but wow. And I said, yeah, well, you, you got to go back to uh, some rare recordings where, where you hear Coltrane. Anyway, this will be an opportunity to hear early, young John Coltrane. So, Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, John Coltrane on the front line on tenor saxophone, Milt Jackson on vibes, and some amazing piano work by the late, great, Dr. Billy Taylor, and Billy was one of the most technically uh, proficient modern jazz pianists and um, in, an incredible player, and you'll hear his style on, on here. Uh, he was like the Herbie Hancock of, of his day um, and uh, an amazing piano player, uh, classically trained, beautiful player. On bass, a young Percy Heath, and on drums, the mighty Art Blakey. We're going to hear three tunes, beginning with one of my favorite Dizzy Gillespie compositions, one that I love to play. It's called Burke's Works. And the second tune is uh, a tune written by Tad Dameron and Count Basie. 
It became a standard tune uh, for modern jazz players. Tune is called Good Bait. And the final tune, of course, is Dizzy Gillespie's most famous composition, A Night in Tunisia. And I should tell you, on A Night in Tunisia, Dizzy is also heard on the conga drum. He was an, he, Dizzy was one hell of a conga drum player and um, because he, he was one of the pioneers bringing Latin rhythms into jazz, Afro-Cuban rhythms, really. And Dizzy became very accomplished on, on the conga. And he plays um, conga drums as well as trumpet on the final tune. And it's really difficult to, to tell when Dizzy stops playing and Art Blakey carries on the beat. It's almost seamless, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. So three tunes from this, uh, that's all we have from this Birdland broadcast. January 13th, 1951, New York's leading jazz club at the time. Here is the Dizzy Gillespie Sextet and Burke's Works. Thank you. 
three very rare tracks recorded live. They're broadcast recordings. The sound quality isn't bad, considering. And they were recorded at Birdland in New York City, January 13, 1951, and featured the Dizzy Gillespie Sextet. And, of course, in the sextet was a young man playing the tenor saxophone that you might have heard of before. His name was John Coltrane. On vibes, Milt Jackson. And, unfortunately, the um, sound didn't pick up Milt Jackson's great uh, vibes um, very well, but you could still hear them throughout uh, everything. They, They were just a little bit in the background. But on piano, the fabulous Dr. Billy Taylor on piano. And on bass, Percy Heath, and on drums, the mighty fire stoker, of course, Art Blakey. And we heard three tunes. Um, the first one was uh, the minor key blues written by Dizzy Gillespie entitled Brooks Works. The second tune was the tune written by Tad Dameron and Count Basie called Good Bait. And the third tune we heard Dizzy Gillespie actually play the trumpet and the conga drum as well. And uh, where Dizzy left off and Art Blakey started, um, almost seamless. And, of course, the tune was Dizzy Gillespie's most famous composition, A Night in Tunisia. These are uh, rare recordings, but uh, the reason, one of the reasons why these recordings are so good, well, the whole band was great, but um, it's just that there's so little uh, of John, early John Coltrane on records and... um, This is a very, very good example of his early playing where he was definitely under the influence of Dexter Gordon uh, in his playing. That was, uh, he was one of the first guys to influence Coltrane, and then, of course, Coltrane evolved from there. And um, it's interesting for that, but the the quality of the music, of course, is on a very high level as well. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'm going to play you one of the most important recordings ever made. It only lasts for a little under two minutes, but there's everything about this. It was recorded December 5th, 1928, and what's on here is absolutely amazing. The recording quality is very good, and there's only two people, and one of them was celebrating a birthday anniversary today, the great pianist Earl Hines. The other person on here is Louis Armstrong, and Louis Armstrong on this recording shows what the trumpet can do. Nobody played the trumpet like this. Nobody even knew that the trumpet was capable in those years of this kind of playing and creativity. And this recording has influenced countless numbers of um, musicians and affected uh, jazz music down through the ages. It, It truly is a milestone recording. And when you think that it's only (laughs) 2 minutes and 41 seconds, but check it out because it's quite unbelievable. Earl Hines on piano, Louis Armstrong on trumpet, and Weatherbird.
Jazz history was made. Earl Hines on piano, Louis Armstrong on trumpet, and Weatherbird. And uh, an amazing recording done in December of 1928. We're going to continue with some vintage jazz by one of my favorite tenor saxophonists from the swing era. He uh, unfortunately lived a short life. He was killed in a car accident in 1941. And along with Lester Young, I think um, Chew Berry was one of my very favorite tenor saxophonists. I've always loved his work. Leon Chew Berry. And um, this is an ensemble that he has. It's called the Little Jazz Ensemble. And it features uh, a young man who was uh, heavily influenced by Louis Armstrong, Roy Eldridge on trumpet, Little Jazz. And, of course, he went on to a great long career in jazz music. And on drums, Big Sid Catlett. On bass, Artie Shapiro. And on piano, one of my, another one of my favorite piano players who, who died far too young. I think he would have influenced modern jazz as well had he lived past 1945. I'm talking about Clyde Hart on piano, a very, very well-schooled uh, young man and wonderful pianist, and uh, one of Bud Powell's um, secret influences on piano. We're going to hear four tunes by the Little Jazz Ensemble led by Chu Berry. And we're going to open with, of course, his version of the tenor saxophone favorite, Body and Soul. And um, then the next tune is an original composition by his, him, and it's called Sitting In. And then we're going to hear a lovely version of Hoagie Carmichael's Stardust, of course, which is one of the most popular and best-loved tunes in the Great American Songbook repertoire. And the final tune is called... 46 West, 52. All right, so here then is Chu Berry and Roy Eldridge and the Little Jazz Ensemble. I hope you enjoy this um, trip back in time. All these recordings were done in 1939. Mm-hmm. 
Ain't the hardest we worked tonight. I ain't even tired. Now let's go have some place and swim. Where you want to go, Chu? Let's go down the subway. You Who's know, working down there? Clyde's working down there, man. You know Clyde right are. And they kept swinging out already. Come on, Jazz, get your horn out. Yeah. Let's go.
Some great jazz, vintage jazz from tenor saxophonist, one of the greats, Chu Berry. And, of course, we lost him many, many years ago in 1941 due to a car accident. One of the uh, great swing-era tenor saxophonists, I think, along with Lester Young. He was one of the most innovative, and uh, it's too bad that he died at uh, such an early age. Chewberry and his little jazz ensemble with Roy Eldridge on trumpet. And I forgot to mention in the introduction uh, some fine rhythm guitar work by Danny Barker from New Orleans. And on bass, Artie Shapiro. On drums, Big Sid Catlett. And on piano, one of my favorites, the very tasteful and very uh, lovely touch on the piano, Clyde Hart on piano, and he was another one that left us uh, very early. He died in 1944, 1945, I believe, and um, his health wasn't all that good, which is too bad because he um, was an influence on uh, modern jazz pianists, and I, I'm sure that uh, had he lived, he would have become involved with uh, more modern music, and he may have ended up playing with Charlie Parker and different people like that. Clyde Hart on piano. Anyway, these are classic sides by Chew Berry, Leon Berry, 
Chu was his nickname, spelt C-H-U. And we heard him, of course, play the favorite of uh, most tenor saxophonists. They all have to do this tune. You have to get to know it. And, of course, it's Johnny Green's Body and Soul. The second tune was an up-tempo thing called Sittin' In, written by Chu Berry. Then we heard a lovely uh, version of Hoagie Carmichael's Stardust, another ballad. And the final tune was an up-tempo thing by Chu entitled 46 West 52. So there you have it, four tracks with the Little Jazz Ensemble. You know, well, there's varying opinion about the latest James Bond movie. I saw it. Um, I'm not really going to say anything about it. Uh, it was okay, uh, you know, but it, I, I'm one of those people, I go back to Sean Connery and the classic James Bond stuff. That is really meaningful to me, uh, as well as uh, the music. It kind of stays with you. And we're going to hear some James Bond music played by the Count Basie Band, recorded in the mid-'60s. We're going to hear three tunes from three of, I think, the finest James Bond films. And these all starred Sean Connery, who I, I don't think is second to none. Uh, you know, one can argue about this guy and that guy and so on, but it's really Sean Connery that created um, the movie role of James Bond. And so we're going to hear tunes from... All three. And, of course, as I said, the Count Basie Orchestra. So we're going to hear the theme from Goldfinger. And then the second tune is the theme from Thunderball. And the third tune is uh, Lionel Bart's composition from Russia with Love. So here is the great Count Basie Orchestra from the album Basie Plays Bond. And uh, a nice throwback to... um, Classic James Bond themes, played jazz-wise.
Basie plays Bond. And we heard three tunes from the classic James Bond movies. Uh, Goldfinger was the first one. Thunderball was the second one. And, of course, the final one was From Russia With Love. And, of course, those were all classic movies starring Sean Connery. And, of course, the inimitable Basie band with uh, the great Sonny Payne on drums and some nice uh, tenor saxophone solos on those pieces by Eddie Lockjaw Davis. And, of course, um, the Basie rhythm section. Basie on piano, Freddie Green, of course, on guitar, Norman Keenan on bass, and, as I mentioned, Sonny Payne on drums. And, of course, uh, just that great tight Basie sound that is so distinctive. Basie plays Bond. Yeah, an album from the mid-'60s. We'll be back. We have a couple of things to uh, tell you about, a couple of messages, and we're going to come back with a couple of the bad boys of jazz music. Chet Baker and Art Pepper. And the reason I say bad boys is all you have to do is read their biographies. (laughs) But they were great, great musicians. And they didn't record very much together. We're we're just going to hear a couple of uh, collaborative um, efforts by these two uh, incredible musicians who were both, of course, um, based on the West Coast at the time. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But first, some messages for you. And, of course, just to remind you that that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9. On your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show, a Monday night feature on CITR. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. from TV. My name is Gap. Exploding Head Movies is here to give you sounds from the cinema, along with the songs that will be defining your future and those forgotten classics that need a little rescue.
Well, we have some uh, weather for you. It's still going to stay pretty cool, but uh, actually there's uh, quite a bit of sunshine in the forecast and very little precipitation. We had enough of that stuff. Uh, Tonight is partly cloudy with a low of minus 2, and then tomorrow will be mainly sunny, a little windy with a low of minus 2 and a high of 3, so not, not too much variation in the temperature. With the sunshine, we get the cool weather, so that's, you know, that's the trade-off, but that's okay. Wednesday is going to be sunny with a low of minus 3 and a high of 2. And New Year's Eve on Thursday, the day will be sunny with a low of minus 2 and a high of 1. So that's not an incredible amount of um, variation there. And then on New Year's Day, which is Friday, a mix of sun and cloud with a low of minus 2 and a high of plus 2. Then Saturday and Sunday, the weekend, a low of minus 1 and a high of plus 1, and that's going to be a mix of sun and cloud. So there's very little precipitation in the forecast, just some nice cool weather, probably frosty nights, that sort of thing, but nothing to worry about. And, of course, none of that uncomfortable cold rain that uh, uh, bothers a lot of people. All right, back to music. We um, are going to take you to a recording session in the mid-50s in Los Angeles, done for Pacific Jazz Records, and it features, as I mentioned, two of the bad boys of jazz, Art Art Pepper, one of the great exponents of the alto saxophone, and, of course, the legendary Chet Baker. Chet never practiced, you know. It was amazing. He never, I mean, he did practice when he was young to get his uh, chops up and so on, but Chet Baker never, ever practiced. Um, And it's amazing the consistency um, and, of course, the, his up-and-down personal life and so on, the consistency of his recorded music right up to the very end. It's quite amazing. Uh, he had such a natural talent and, of course, uh, a beautiful concept on the trumpet. So this is Chet Baker and Art Pepper together, and we're going to hear some tunes uh, by these two redoubtable gentlemen with uh, Pete Jolly on piano, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and the great Stan Levy on drums. And we're going to listen to, the first tune is dedicated to the jazz critic John Tynan, and Art Pepper called it Tynan Time. And the second tune is called The Route, and that's written by Chet Baker. And then an old standard tune written by Al Jolson called Sunny Boy. And then a final tune by Art Pepper. Um, It's a minor key tune. And, of course, it's called Minor Yours. There you go. So Art Pepper and Chet Baker together. Thank you. 
I'm just going to break in here and tell you that I forgot about an important member of this group, and that's tenor saxophonist Richie Kamuka, the late Richie Kamuka. And um, I neglected to mention him. He's an important part of this uh, recording session, too. So once again, Chet Baker on trumpet, Art Pepper on alto saxophone, Richie Kamuka on tenor saxophone, Pete Jolly on piano, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and Stan Levy on drums. And we continue with The Route. Thank you. 
Four tunes from the West Coast. And, of course, that uh, music has a distinctive West Coast flavor, too. And uh, it was recorded in Los Angeles in July of 1956 and produced by Richard Bach for uh, Pacific Jazz Records. And we heard Chet Baker on trumpet, Art Pepper on alto saxophone, Richie Kamuka on tenor saxophone, Pete Jolly on piano, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and Stan Levy on drums. And we heard four tunes. We began with a Pepper composition called Tynan Time, dedicated to the uh, jazz critic John Tynan. And the second tune was called The Route. And then we heard uh, an old standard from the 30s called Sunny Boy, written by Al Jolson. And the final tune was uh, Art Pepper's tune entitled Minor Yours. Art Pepper and Chet Baker and Richie Kamuka, great front line, and uh, some nice stuff. We're going to take you to Paris now to the famous Parisian club Saint-Germain. December 21st, 1958, and a visit to that club by Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. We're going to hear some music from there with a very um, animated um, audience as well and a very exciting edition of Art Blakey's Messengers, including the teenage trumpet sensation Benny, <laughs> Benny Golson, Lee Morgan on trumpet, Benny Golson on tenor saxophone, the, per, the only person that's still with us, uh, from this uh, marvelous band, and of course he was the musical director. Bobby Timmons at the piano, the great Bobby Timmons, Jimmy Merritt on bass, and of course the great Art Blakey on drums. And we're going to hear some tunes. The first one is um, the theme, and of course uh, usually this is a, a closing theme for the band, but we're going to hear a full-length version of that tune. That's what it's called, the theme. And the second tune is, of course, Bobby Timmons' great composition called Monin. And uh, there's some uh, great audience uh, participation in there. Everybody's into the music. Um, The great uh, uh, American pianist Hazel Scott brought down a whole group of people to the club to uh, encourage and uh, um, verbally encourage uh, the guys in the band. And we're going to end the set with uh, a tune that was actually written by Thelonious Monk, and it's known as uh, Evidence. It's also called Justice, and uh, that's going to end the set. So we take you back to December 21st, 1958, Paris, France, the Club Saint-Germain, Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Real jazz, right here.
Art Blakey and his Jazz Messengers, an exciting edition of that band with uh, the great Lee Morgan on trumpet, who was just uh, just 20 years old, just out of his teens, and Benny Golson, the musical director on tenor saxophone. He is still with us, very much with us. Bobby Timmons on piano, and still with us is Jimmy Merritt, the, uh, as Blakey called him, the workhorse of the band on bass. And, of course, Art Blakey on drums. And we heard three tunes. Uh, the first tune was called The Theme, which, of course, is usually a short um, sign-off thing that the band uses. And lots of bands did at the time. Miles used the same tune and different other people. Um, but we heard a full-length version of it. And then a very exciting and, and um, hip version of Bobby Timmons' great hit, Monin. And uh, then the final tune was actually a Thelonious Monk composition called Evidence. But uh, Blakey often introduced it as Justice. And uh, same tune, just a a slightly different arrangement than uh, Monk would do. Anyway, this great band recorded December 21st, 1958 at the Club Saint-Germain in Paris. And uh, three great tunes energetic music by Art Blakey and his jazz messengers. Two of the great exponents of the various saxophones, baritone saxophone, the one and only Pepper Adams. On tenor saxophone, the one and only Zoot Sims. And the two of them got together and made this marvelous record for Prestige Records called Encounter. And the rhythm section... Tommy Flanagan at the piano, Ron Carter on bass, and the dynamic and wonderful Elvin Jones on drums. We're going to hear a few tunes from that uh, album. The first one is entitled In and Out. It's kind of an exciting piece of music by Pepper Adams. Then we're going to go to a Thad Jones composition entitled Elusive that uh, years before he recorded that tune with Charles Mingus on a famous album uh, for debut records. So we're going to hear those two tunes and perhaps one more after that. So Pepper Adams, baritone. Zoot Sims, tenor. Sit back and enjoy. Great stuff. Thank you. 
Uh-huh. Drummer Elvin Jones certainly had a bee in his bonnet that day, I'll tell you. We heard three tunes from this album called Encounter, and it was uh, led by baritone saxophone master Pepper Adams and featured his partnership with Zoot Sims on tenor saxophone. And in the rhythm section, Tommy Flanagan at the piano, Ron Carter on bass, and the incredible Elvin Ray Jones on drums. This was recorded in 1968 for Prestige Records. The first tune was entitled In and Out, Fast Blues by Pepper Adams. The second tune was uh, an original by Thad Jones entitled Elusive. And the final tune was written by Tommy Flanagan called Verdandi. And three tunes from this album, Encounter. Well, we're just about to wrap up the show this evening. We have one more piece of music to play for you. And we'd like to remind you that we will be back with another edition of The Jazz Show next year. And our January 4th show will be happening in 2016. Just like to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9, broadcasting right out here at UBC campus on unceded Musqueam territory. We're also on the web, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we're going to conclude with a great piece of music, the title track from this album by pianist Duke Pearson. And even though this band was put together just for this recording session, all these musicians were very in tune with one another, and it really sounds like a working band. Duke Pearson on piano, leading Donald Byrd on trumpet, James Spaulding on alto saxophone and flute, Joe Henderson, the great Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, Bob Cranshaw on bass, Mickey Roker on drums. And this is the title track from this album, and it's called Wahoo.
as the band heads toward the sunset. That's it for this year and the jazz show on CITR. And, of course, we'll be back next year, January 4th, 2016. That piece of music was the title track from a fairly rare Blue Note album called Wahoo, and it, uh, that is the tune. And it was written by Duke Pearson, and he led the band on piano. Donald Byrd on trumpet, James Spaulding on alto saxophone and soloed on flute, Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, Bob Cranshaw on bass, and Mickey Roker on drums. And that tune, the title track. That's it for the jazz show and, of course, as I mentioned, 2015. So we hope that uh, you stayed with us for some of the show this evening. And uh, if you stayed for the whole show, good on you. And we'll be back, as I said, in 2016. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'd like to thank you all uh, on behalf of uh, myself, The Jazz Show, and, of course, CITR FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Take care, and we'll see you next year. All right, bye-bye. Ha 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 ha!